So uh, we're continuing on in our series about the life of David, uh, working through the uh, second half of the book of 1 Samuel. And we've called it uh, David Shaped by God. And it's ancient history, but I believe it's very relevant to our lives as Christians today in the 21st century. And really, this is a series about how God shapes uh, David and also about the Holy Spirit keeps coming to us every day to help to transform us into the image of Jesus Christ. And today we'll be mainly in 1 Samuel chapter 20. And I want to look at an important subject, but one we don't often look at called friendship and learn some things from this passage. So I've called the title of the sermon today, The Importance of Friendship. And I'm going to read from 1 Samuel chapter 20. We won't read the whole chapter because it's, it's a long chapter. Uh, we're going to read from verse 12 through 17, and then I'll drop down to 31 uh, through 34, and then drop down to verse 41. And we'll read a few verses from 1 Samuel 23, because the relationship, the friendship between David and Jonathan is spread over a number of chapters in 1 Samuel. So I'm going to start at 1 Samuel 20, verse 12. And to set the scene, what's happened is David has run away from Saul again in fear for his life because Saul is trying to kill him. And David has gone to find Jonathan uh, to to ask him uh, to find out at a festival that's about to happen whether Saul, uh, Jonathan's father, really does intend to kill David. That's, That's his sole intent and purpose. And so that's where we'll pick up the the conversation now. In verse 12, 1 Samuel 20, between Jonathan and David. It says, uh, and I'll be reading today from the New Living Translation. Uh, It says this, Then Jonathan told David, I promise by the Lord, the God of Israel, that by this time tomorrow or the next day at the latest, I will talk to my father and let you know at once how he feels about you. If he speaks favourably about you, I will let you know. But if he is angry and wants you killed, may the Lord strike me and even kill me if I don't warn you so you can escape and live. May the Lord be with you as he used to be with my father. And may you treat me with the faithful love of the Lord as long as I live. But if I die, treat my family with this faithful love, even when the Lord destroys all your enemies from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a solemn pact with David saying, may the Lord destroy all your enemies. And Jonathan made David reaffirm his vow of friendship again. For Jonathan loved David as he loved himself. So we move down uh, now, same chapter, chapter 20 to verse 31. So there's now a conversation happening between Jonathan and Saul, his father, at this feast. Uh, And it goes like this, verse uh, 31. Uh, as long as that son of Jesse is alive, you'll never be king. Now go and get him so I can kill him. But why should he be put to death? Jonathan asked his father. What has he done? Then Saul hurled his spear at Jonathan, intending to kill him. So at last Jonathan realised that his father was really determined to kill David. Jonathan left the table in fierce anger and refused to eat on that second day of the festival for he was crushed by his father's shameful behaviour towards David. 
Now we drop down to verse 41. David and Jonathan have agreed to meet to find out. Uh, David's trying to find out from Jonathan, look, is your father really intent on killing me? And uh, when we start this conversation, uh, David already knows the answer because they had an agreement that if Jonathan fired some arrows in one direction, it meant it was okay. And if he fired the arrows uh, in another way, then it meant that Saul was actually out to kill David. So verse 41, as soon as the boy had gone, David came out from where he had been hiding near the stone pile. Then David bowed three times to Jonathan with his face to the ground. Both of them were in tears as they embraced each other and said goodbye, especially David. At last, Jonathan said to David, go in peace, for we have sworn loyalty to each other in the Lord's name. The Lord is the witness of a bond between us and our children forever. Then David left and Jonathan returned to the town. And we'll just pick up just two, three verses in chapter 23. This is now David under huge pressure. He's been sought by Saul to kill him. He's being chased. One day near Horesh, David received the news that Saul was on his way to Zip to search for him and kill him. Uh, Jonathan went to find David and encouraged him to stay strong in his faith in God. Don't be afraid, Jonathan reassured him. My father will never find you. You are going to be the king of Israel and I will be next to you as my father. Saul is well aware. So the two of them renewed their solemn pact before the Lord. Then Jonathan returned home while David stayed at Horesh. The importance of friendship. I want to look at some aspects of David and Jonathan's friendship that apply to us. This is an important subject because loneliness is a huge issue today in the big cities that many of us live in. It can seem like there's many people. Many people doesn't mean there isn't much loneliness. And certainly statistics in the UK would testify to that. But we come to a God of the Bible that's always been in perfect community with his son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, three persons in one God. The God of the Bible is not lonely and never was, but he's created us to be in relationship with himself and with others, to have friends around us. So let me quickly look at some aspects of David and Jonathan's friendship. Uh, the first one is encouragement. 1 Samuel 23, 16. We just read it, the very last thing we read. Uh, in verse uh, 13, before we get to verse 16, in verse 13, Saul is pursuing him. David in verse 13 is moving from place to place. Verse 14, day after day, Saul is searching for him. So this is, this is high pressure. He's being chased day after day, trying to escape Saul, who's out to kill him. So David is waking up each morning, not quite knowing if this is his last day. Is Saul going to find me today? And he's at a low point here. And in verse 16, it says, Jonathan went to find David and encouraged him to stay strong in his faith in God. It could be that David wouldn't have survived without this. We don't know. I think David is maybe at one of his very low points here. Maybe he's most frightened and his friend Jonathan comes to him and pours strength into him. It strengthened him in God. This is what friends do. There will be times in your life when you want to quit, when things just seem too difficult when you lose perspective and God brings someone else into your life to encourage you, brings a friend in. Encouragement is hugely important. It deserves a whole sermon by itself. We'll just touch on it in a few minutes here. Jonathan comes and reminds uh, David of God's promises over his life. He says, come on, remember, you are going to be king. We must remind each other 
of God's promises over us, what God says about us, who we are in Christ. Jonathan's saying, don't be afraid, you will be king and I'll be next to you. Hebrews 3.13 says, but exhort or encourage one another every day. Every day. You think, is this important today for the church? Well, the writer to the Hebrews says, Hebrews 3.13, exhort and encourage one another every day. There's not many things in the Bible that we're told to do every day. One of them would be to pray, pray at all times on all occasions. There's not many other things. It seems to me encouragement we're told to do every day. Encourage one another every single day. This must mean it's important for us. It's powerful. It's necessary. Are we doing it well enough? Are we encouraging others? You can, it can seem so hard, but actually it can be just a text. It can be just a message on your phone. It can be just an email. It can be a phone call. Maybe it's a few sentences can make all the difference to someone's day. If we can do this for each other, if we can really uh, encourage one another daily, we'll find ourselves being strengthened in God. First thing I want to look at then is about this friendship is encouragement. Jonathan comes and encourages David. We can do this for each other today. The second thing I see is a, a, a commitment or loyalty is shown here, really is. In 1 Samuel 20, 16 to 17, it says, Jonathan made a solemn pact with David. May the Lord destroy all your enemies. And Jonathan made David reaffirm his vow of friendship again. For Jonathan loved David as himself. They're kind of making a covenant with each other. So even when it's difficult, he's prepared to suffer along with David. And I don't want this to get weird. I'm not saying we've got to go and like make covenants or some weird promises to each other today. But there's something about loyalty and commitment. I think uh, we struggle to see sometimes today in our culture. We tend to have a culture that wants things for a moment and then throws them away and wants something else. This is this friendship is speaking of something different. See, a covenant is where two parties make binding commitments to each other. See, David and Jonathan talk about it in these verses. We don't talk much today about this, I don't think, about commitment and loyalty to one another. It isn't seen so much. I think it's an important thing. In Hosea chapter 6, verse 4, God is speaking about Israel, about the nation he loves that's kind of rejecting him and falling away. He says, what shall I do with you, O Ephraim, O Judah? Your love is like the morning cloud, like the dew that goes away early. Oh, that's painful. God's saying, what am I going to do with you? Your, your love is like the cloud that just disappears. There's a bit of sun, a bit of heat comes and it just goes. That's what it's like. That's what it's like trying to love you people. That, your, your love seems so fragile towards me. It's so temporary and we quit so easily. As soon as difficulty comes, I've often heard people say to me, and this is true, you don't really know who your friends are until you're in trouble, until you're finding things difficult, and then see what happens. Proverbs 20, verse 6 says, Many a person proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful person who can find. Well, that's tough. Many a people will say, yes, of course I'll be your friend forever. Yes, I'll have steadfast love towards you. yes. It's kind of easy to say that, but a faithful person who can find. So when it really gets tough, where is the steadfast love? That's kind of what this proverb is saying. And we kind of know that's true. 
But the encouragement of scripture is, no, no, no. Show commitment to one another. Be loyal when it gets tough. Friendship's not there just for easy times. It's there for the tough times. It's there for when you're struggling. It's maybe even there when someone does something that even hurts you. Emotionally makes you struggle. Will you still be their friend? Will you go and sort it out with them? A faithful person, who can find? God, let us, let us be faithful people to one another. See, it didn't matter to Jonathan that David was just a shepherd boy. Remember, Jonathan's the son of the king. David's a shepherd boy. See, this friendship, their friendship, true friendship, breaks through uh, circumstances and challenges and difficulty. And I think to myself, am I anything like this? I think I've got to learn from this and I've got to keep learning. So we've looked at encouragement. We've looked at showing commitment and loyalty. Third thing, third aspect of their friendship I want to look at is I've put no self-interest, putting your friend above yourself. What do I mean by this? Well, in 1 Samuel 20, verse 31, we read this. There's this conversation happening between Saul the king and his son Jonathan at the festival while Jonathan's trying to find out, uh, uh, Saul, are you really trying to kill David? And Saul is worked out what's going on. And he says in verse 31, he says to his son Jonathan, as long as that son of Jesse is alive, you'll never be king. What are you doing, Jonathan? Don't you understand? As long as David's alive, you won't be king. Now, you should be king because I'm the king and you're my son. You should be the king after me. What are you doing, Jonathan? Messing around with this shepherd boy. Stop. You can be king. You can be king. What are you, what are you doing? Stop it. Isn't the most important thing in your life for you to be king after me? That's what Saul is saying to Jonathan here. And Jonathan replies, really, he says, I don't, really don't care. I really don't care. Why should David be killed? He's not done anything wrong. What are you doing, father? You shouldn't be hurting him. He's done nothing wrong. It's not, it's not about me becoming king. This is about being just towards David. It's about doing the right thing. Jonathan is completely putting the interests of David above himself. Because Saul's right. But if, if David had been killed, it, Jonathan was the next in line to be king. He, he, he wouldn't well have been king. And he's saying, no, 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 I, I'm not thinking about that. I'm thinking about my friend and I'm thinking about you're treating him, Father, in a wrong and unjust way. I'm going to stand by him. I'm going to put his interests above my own. How far off that am I sometimes? But it does remind me of someone else. It reminds me of this greater David you've heard me speak about, the Lord Jesus Christ, who came as the servant of all. It reminds me of Jesus. See, we look at these things we've talked about. We look at encouragement. We look at Jesus who comes and encourages Peter who denied him and says, Peter, I want to restore you. I want you to lead my church. Come and feed my lambs. Come and spiritually lead people. He restores and encourages Peter. When I look at commitment, friendship, commitment. Wow, Jesus, death, even death on a cross. Even death on a cross. He battles through the Garden of Gethsemane. Can I get through this? Can I do this? Yes, yes, I can. I'm committed. No self-interest. Well, the Son of Man, it says he came not to be served, but to serve. Matthew 20, 28. 
didn't come to be served, he came to serve others, put the interests of all of us above himself. He says in the garden at Gethsemane, not my will be done, but yours. Luke 22:42. We see Jesus as the great model of these things, of encouragement, of commitment, of putting the interest of others above ourselves. Let me look maybe at one last thing here. Trust. 1 Samuel 20, 42. It says this, and this is, remember, this is the moment at which David and Jonathan don't really know whether they're going to see each other again. Uh, this is getting desperate now. It's like, Jonathan's coming with the news. My father is intent on killing you. He's intent on finishing you off. You think, wow. And so there's emotion here. So this is at last Jonathan said to David, go in peace for we have sworn loyalty to each other in the Lord's name. The Lord is the witness of a bond between us and our children forever. I mean, it's easy to miss this, what's being said here. What they're saying to each other is really, I don't know if I'll ever see you again. As we stand here today, facing each other, embracing, I don't know if I'll ever see you again, but remember me and remember my descendants. I don't know if we're going to see each other, but look after my family. Think, wow, what a friend. What a friend to have. I think, have I got a friend like that who, if I'm not here anymore, they'll look after my family? What a thing to say to each other. What trust. They're trusting each other with their families, with the ones to come after them. That's high trust. It's a high bar. And we see in 2 Samuel chapter 9, we may get there one day. We'll see if we get into David's life in the book of 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 9, David shows kindness to Mephibosheth. 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1. Let me explain. It says this. He says, David says, is there anyone left in the house of Saul? This is after David's become the king over Israel. Is there anyone left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Wow, David is remembering the promise that he made here. He's already done many things for Jonathan's descendants. He's saying, no, hang on, is there anyone else? Have I missed anyone? Is there anyone else left that I can show kindness to for Jonathan's sake? Because he must be remembering the promise that he made to him. The trust that that Jonathan put in David, he's fully repaying. This is huge. This Mephibosheth, we made it's a beautiful story, 2 Samuel 9. This, uh, he, he was a kind of an outcast and he's brought in by David to the, his very table to eat with him and given dignity. It's a beautiful story of kindness from David, remembering the trust, the friendship between uh, Jonathan and himself. And here's my question. See, David really does repay Jonathan's trust in him. Will we really trust each other? Will we trust enough to be vulnerable with each other? Will we take down the masks that we sometimes wear? Now, we, wear, we literally wear masks at the moment, but we, may, we wear masks over our hearts. We don't often show what we're really feeling. Will we trust enough to take the mask down over our hearts? What really drives us, what we're thinking, what our emotions are saying to us? It's definitely worth pausing for a moment on this. It's important. 
See, it can be hard for us to share our struggles and our dreams, to admit we really don't have it all together. We can be keen for friendship until our honesty is demanded or asked for, or we feel we need to give it. This is one of the big issues of our time, our isolated digital world. You heard me speak about this a few weeks ago. This is a big thing for us today in our culture. We spend hours scrolling through Facebook and Instagram and many other sites I could mention to see what other people are doing and then to look to create our own best profile so people can look digitally and see what we're doing and how happy we are. But it's not really us, that's the problem. And what you're looking at isn't really other people. You see, the danger of this digital world is that we compare our worst, the way we really know we are, to other people's carefully constructed best. So we can look and think, wow, look at that person's life, that's amazing. Think, what a failure I am. That's not what you're putting out on social media necessarily, but you think, oh, if only they knew. And you look and look at someone else and think, they're amazing. This is a problem for us. Vulnerability is hard because we're we're starting to live so digitally. We just see other people's best face. Thing is, will we actually be real with people? Have we got someone? Have we got more than one person we can go to and say, this this area of my life is challenging. I'm, I'm actually messing up a bit here. Help me. Come and strengthen me in God. Come and put me back. Come and help me. Come and pray for me. This is, this is what I'm really thinking. I'm not sure anyone else knows this. See, if we're going to be shaped into the image of Christ, this is what God is wanting to do with us through the Holy Spirit. We've got to do this. God uses other people. He will use friends to come into our lives to shape us, to bring the presence of God, the word of God, the presence of the Holy Spirit and speak wisdom and life and encouragement into our lives to help us keep changing into the image of Jesus Christ. It's how he does it. If we shut ourselves off, we are in danger of that not happening. And it can be especially hard if you've been hurt by someone. If you've opened yourself up to someone and they've hurt you or you feel they've betrayed you or they've abandoned you, can make it hard. I want to say it can take time to trust, but please, please try. I call it kind of climbing the ladder of trust and vulnerability. It's just get on to the ladders, get on the first rung, share something, see if it's coming back to you, see if someone else is sharing with you, see if you can take another step up the ladder and another step and another step. Try and climb up that ladder of trust and being vulnerable. See, will you trust Jesus? See, you'll never really be fear or be free of the fear of trusting people until you find the God who is the ultimate friend. See, Jesus gives you security. In John 15, 15, Jesus is saying to his disciples, just before he's about to be killed at the cross, he says, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all I have heard from my father, I have made known for you. What a thing for Jesus to say. This is the son of God. This is the one who is in every way God, but also human. He's saying, I've called you my friends. You're my friends. See, we need Jesus. We, we need the friend of friends. 
See, when you find his love, you find that you can really love other people. When you trust him, you find you can trust other people. See, I've been befriended by the King of Kings. Jesus, I want to follow Jesus. I want to look at the way he encouraged Peter. I want to follow it. I want to encourage others. I look at the commitment of Jesus that he would die. He would go to death, even death on a cross. I think, I'm not close to that, but I want to be closer. I want to show commitment to people when it's tough, not just when it's easy. I want to put the interests of friends above my own. God help me. I see Jesus doing that. He didn't come to, to, to be served, but to serve. Trust, vulnerability. Jesus made himself ultimately vulnerable for us at the cross. Practical steps. Go and encourage someone. Just try and do it. Send someone a message. Trust someone if you can in some way a little bit more than you have. If you find this hard, if you're thinking, I, I'm not sure who my friends really are. I find making friends hard. Go and talk to someone. Go and tell someone that you find it hard. Let's come to Jesus. We're going to sing together. He's the one that calls us friends. Let's worship him together now.